Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, this is Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, you're excited about this one. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Who do we have today? This week, we are talking to choreographer, actress, children's book author, empowerment coach, and half of the dynamic duo that brings us the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Women Empowered program, Victoria Parsons Gracie. Yeah, she's a pretty incredible woman. She really is. Yeah. Yeah, she really is. I, I was so thrilled that she agreed to come on and speak with us and we talk about being a woman in jiu-jitsu some body image Mm -hmm. stuff and yeah she was pretty open about some personal stuff too with that that yeah and she kind of she kind of you know i surprised myself too with some of the stuff that we ended up talking about and and then talking about some pretty serious allegations that are putting a dark cloud over the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community right now. Um, yeah. So we talk a little bit about belt worship and mm-hmm. some of the issues with that and the vulnerabilities of of that. So and it, it was a it was a w- wonderful conversation. You know, she's like she's like my sister that I've never met You're in right. person, right? <laughs> And making uh, a very strong case for us to get to California. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So I I hope I hope you all enjoy this. She's a remarkable woman, such an incredible role model. 
yeah so enjoy everybody and thanks for listening enjoy guys all right so i am very pleased to welcome our guest this week victoria parsons gracie welcome to cheating on fear oh thank you for having me no nothing okay all right (laughs) (laughs) no i'm super excited i'm super excited all right for our audience that may not know you can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got here. It's a really interesting, you have such a, an interesting yeah. past with, with all of this stuff. So. It's interesting because, because who I am, I, I always say is ever changing. And so it's, it's interesting. Every time I do a podcast, I, I attempt to put myself into this bucket, into this square of like, this is who I am, just this thing. But I'm, I'm, I'm a dynamic human force that is open to learning everything that is, exists around me. And I have navigated through different identities and and job opportunities career experiences as well as familial bonding boxes <laughs> I, I mean I, if I'm just going to pull from everything so what I do at the current moment I am a homeschooling mother of two kids plus I homeschool my nephew I teach women empowered at Grace University in Torrance I help understand and facilitate the trauma-informed and emotional side of our approach to jujitsu so that we understand it is more than just a, you know, physical aspect and approach to that existence. I am also a professional dancer that when opportunities arise, I will still take on some physical jobs that allow me to express myself physically. And I also am a practicing wife and I engage in what would be the social norm of housework as well as partnership in both a family home and, and the human existence here. So if I would just, to just try to like slim it down to that, I'm sure there's something missed. And an author. Ah, see, I told you. <laughs> I, I love writing kids books. I've written two children's books and created a bear that allows children to practice jujitsu movements in a safe way with a articulated skeleton within a physical bear dummy. So I wrote a book that features a bear that allows you to also play with that bear. I got to get that bear. Yes. For, <laughs> for my kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It's pretty cool. Because you thought you were going to have to be the dummy. Yeah. That's and now right. you can. <laughs> well, I mean, kids are so tiny, right? Yeah. Like trying to get their little arms yeah. around. Yeah. That's, that's so, that's so, that's really cool. Yeah. It's a size, a size appropriate comparison to mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's me. See, I, I didn't even know about that. I saw the books and that's, that's so cool. And then the kids can do it without worry, without worrying about hurting anybody. Yeah. Like that's kind of, that's correct. Kinda- For a lot of children, they do have this need to exert a lot of the proprioception to get a fest out of their body, but they also have to know where their body ends and the other human begins. Mm-hmm. And until they learn how to really control themselves, a bear is a safe alternative for children who just really do need to just get that movement out of their system. And then they'll start to learn, okay, if we're tearing the bear's arm, it's likely we'll tear another child's You're arm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All about control. Yeah. I was very excited to to have you on here. And then as I dove a little deeper into your bio and the things that you've done, I w- it was so delightful because we have a lot in common. I've been a dancer since I was seven as well. And we both ended up in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I'm going to talk to you about the emotionality and, and all that part later. But I just thought that was so interesting that that sort of dance jujitsu connection and those common threads with those two arts, with rhythm and technique and body awareness. And I work with a lot of young women with dance and with Brazilian jujitsu. I wondered if you could speak a little bit about something that comes up in both of those arts, and that's body image, especially with young, 
young girls and young women. Can you speak to that a little bit about what you're seeing and especially through COVID and, and all of that kind of stuff and where, how you, yeah, how you deal with that? That's a really good question. I think whenever the topic of body image is brought up, I can't help but go back to my high school, which I, I will think is the most pivotal like imprint of what a female body should look like. And I was raised, you know, I, I graduated in 02. So people can do all the math they want there. 2002 afforded me the imprint of the Victoria's secret model physicality. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, high school is already such a toxic place to begin with. You're just trying to survive, trying to find your identity, trying to be enough to like put your intelligence onto paper and, and grade it accordingly, and then be accepted into a, a school system that, you know, really could tear down a lot of your own personal soul and ego. And on top of that, they said, you must look like a Victoria's Secret model, despite whatever genetic background you have that makes that unfeasible. <laughs> and, and to be honest, that most of those models that we see on print don't even look like that in real life either. Mm. So I really first need to download the understanding that my base model of who I thought I needed to look like and what I thought I needed to look like was already so torturously like just unattainable, unattainable that spending the next 15 years of my life attempting to measure, you know, watch what I eat, overtrain and, and really bodily compared everything that I saw and then compare my worth to that physical end result. It was an endless battle and it is still an endless battle. I am, you know, post COVID, I'm sure we all found ourselves in different ways of coping, but I'm a food medicator. I eat to feel better <laughs> and I, I gained the weight. Like I gained the, we call it the COVID-19. Like I gained it in more ways than one. Right. <laughs> and you're nodding your head. So you're telling me that you really relate. <laughs> I think that the hard part when it translates to dance is that my job is to either express and or match the movements you want me to make. And part of that means that the more I look like you, the better I'm doing in this aspect. And similarly in jujitsu, the more I can execute the move with the smoothness of the leg wrapping around during the arm lock, the better I am at jujitsu, the more I am perceived to be eligible for the next belt level. And that, that is incredibly correlated with your weight and your physicality and your strength and muscular structure. So kind of the unfortunate parallels of I must be incredibly fit or physically perfect to attain dance superiority and or a higher belt level was a direct correlation to my physical fitness. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that also correlated to my personal self-worth. And there was a point, an undeniable point where I remember if I didn't hit this exact weight number or physical look, the Victoria's Secret model ideal that has been imprinted in my head. I am not worth anything. And the worst part about this was, is we then look at everyone that way. Cause if I'm not worth it, then if someone else isn't looking like a Victoria's Secret model, we start to like navigate our relationships and worth within them as to whether they model the, the bodies and the behaviors of who is deemed socially superior. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting and it's insidious. And it's actually shown in dance classes where the, the girls with the more perfect bodies seemingly execute dance moves better than us and they're not they're doing the same movements we are their legs are just getting higher because they have less butt to push through and i've got a butt 
I'm not going to push through that, but my leg is not going to go as high in that direction. It is what it is. So it is quite insidious. And I'm not sure if you've experienced a lot of that, but that's when you say that, that's all that comes up for me. Thank you for that. I, I feel like I have two set of rules and I think part of it is because being a mom, you sort of, you develop a certain compassion for other people, but you don't, I don't afford that compassion to myself. (laughs) Sure. So when new women come into jujitsu, I will wax poetic about how this is a great opportunity to focus on what your body can do and not what it looks like. And don't, don't worry about that. This is all about technique and doesn't matter what your size is. It doesn't matter what your fitness level is. That's going to change and da, 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 da. And at the, and then at the same time, you're laughing because you know, <laughs> I would get angry at myself because it's like, I'm little, I'm five feet tall when I first get out of bed and it's downhill from there. <laughs> and so my way to get, th- you know, to get better at jujitsu was about flawless technique and speed. Mm-hmm. And when I'm heavier, then I'm slower. Yep. And so you go, okay, bitch, like, what do you think you're going to do now? <laughs> how, yeah. how are you going to be tiny and a woman and carrying 10 or 15 extra pounds what have you got now? You've got nothing. And so, but I would never say that to someone else, another woman or anyone starting jujitsu or doing jujitsu. And so I think that the experience for me has, has been, you know, learning to show myself the same compassion and taking that, that worth piece off of how much you weigh or how fit you are, or what your body looks like. Or like, you know, if, you know, my belt comes off during a roll and, and, Blah, I got the washboard when my geek <laughs> top opens, right? And it's like, look at that. Blah. Like it, that makes me happy when somebody goes, holy shit, look at, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's fucked up. Yeah, that shouldn't be what makes you happy, but it does make you happy. I mean, it's one of the many things that makes me happy, <laughs> but it's one of those, if, you know, if I happen to stand up and catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror in the jujitsu gym and- All sweaty and shredded. And I have one ab versus like eight- Sometimes that, you know, can be the difference between a good day and a bad day. And then I get angry at myself because it's like, you're, you're fucking old enough to know better with this. Right. And so, well, I, you know better, but we're, but we're programmed on the same foundation. Right. So I studied computer science in college and what I understand this to be true, the same for humans as it is for, for machines is that the base program that is built into a machine is always whether it's going to be run off of. So whether that's Windows 95 or OS X, you know, here on on the Mac or the Apple, but then any applications you add to it later, that is still dependent on the original foundation. So unfortunately, even though you know better, your original foundation was years of societal training and indoctrination to a different paradigm than you're functioning with in that particular app or in that particular like opening Microsoft Word again on Windows 95 is going to function differently than Microsoft Word on Windows 2021. Right. It's just a different, it's a different foundation. And when we give ourselves that grace of going, of course, I think that way I was programmed. That was, that's the foundation on which I'm running on. And I will continue to battle it because that is my base layer. And I don't shame it anymore. I used to shame it and get mad at her. And then it's just like weird internal struggle of like, (laughs) I hate you. Well, I hate you too. And it's like, "Eh." it's like, Leave her alone. <laughs> she is who she is. She came out that way. And that's what, who I'm dealing with. But can we even find compassion then and going, 
hey, remember Windows 95? We don't play that app on here anymore. Right. <laughs> I'm going to override that conversation and that mind frame because my worth is no longer attached to that. Right. But that's what we were raised to believe. And I, and I, again, I don't, I don't discredit that young girl for, for thinking that, that got her through those years. And it mm. maybe allows us, I'm, I'm like you, if I can look at a six pack on my body, I'm like, I have done my work this month. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> One bowl of ice cream for you, Victoria. Congratulations. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> like I have like congratulated myself, but that's because I think having a six pack makes me feel valuable in my friendships. And, and that's ironically, I know Dante, you're shaking your head and this is what we deal with, right? This is like the mental narrative that we're like, it going sounds down. exhausting. And it is <laughs> but every woman at a pool party or on the beach slowly takes off that cover up and is like half sucking in to a point where until like an hour goes by and they can finally lay on their back and relax their belly. Everyone has a small suck in the minute they're taking off that shirt and we're, we're fighting it. We're normalizing like, okay at least we have the courage to take off our shirt. There are mm-hmm. some who are like, no, I'm just going to keep the cover up on all six hours today. And I respect that because how they were talked about, treated and discussed and what we're marketed against as well, to what's wrong with us. If we aren't this per- perfect physique, I mean, it's inescapable. Mm. Right. I'm going to date myself too, because I grew up in the age, the golden age of supermodels, Cindy Crawford, mm-hmm. Christy mm-hmm. Turlington, Naomi, all, all the all big ones. So I totally- That was your ideal. That was my ideal. Mm. Like just, and, and that, and I mean- And you're five foot. And I'm five feet tall. <laughs> like talk about an unattainable thing altogether first is just hide alone. Yeah. yeah. We've yeah. allowed marketing companies to take a, a genetic predisposition- that I cannot control, work towards or change and use it against me and yeah. my morph. And, and if I'm not 5'11", as a female, which is the most odd and rare height, then I'm not beautiful. Right. How did we allow them to do, who allowed this? I wish I had an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't because, either. I'm just- because, it's a, because again, making something an ideal that is unattainable, something like height, something that is unchangeable. Like yeah. height. Exactly. that's why I wear heels every time I'm going out of the house for something other than groceries. Sure. Because, you know, because after 18 months underground, we're like, bitch, I'm dressing up for everything. <laughs> um, and you have no reason to not like you should live every day. Like whatever I want to wear today, I'm, I'm looking for one of those big hooded long capes to the ground. That just, <laughs> I just want to wear that. My girlfriend's like, for what? I'm like, for life, yeah. for everything. <laughs> I just want to be in this like red riding hood, cape, gothic, anything just for fun. I could be wearing a bathing suit underneath. I don't care. That's <laughs> it's for life. It's like, why are you wearing that? Like, it's Wednesday. Yeah, that's, that's why. why. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so can I ask, how did you discover Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Oh, see, this is an unfair question. Um, Cause not everyone, well, I discovered it truly when I met Hino and that's like, the strange prerequisite to marriage with him was that I had no idea who Chuck Liddell was. I wasn't really familiar what the UFC was or the lineage of the Gracie family. I wasn't starstruck by the the community at large there. I, I thought most like most martial arts, they were a blended family of some sort, all complementing each other. And I was like, oh, like Taekwondo, Kung Fu stuff. And he's like, oh, <laughs> definitely different. But, you know, let's stick with your open mind here. <laughs> And then I was introduced to what it was and I went, oh, wow, this is really important 
stuff. Like this is really valuable. And because we're dancers, like we pick up counts of eight, like it's nothing. And he was like, Oh my God, you load an arm lock in two seconds. I'm like, well, yeah, you just do a round of jam and the thing and the thing, but on the ground with your butt sitting. And he's like, exactly. Yeah. yeah that, that's what I meant. Just like that. Hey. <laughs> so what's strange is I was able to pick it up quite quickly as a dancer. Now, whether I mastered it, uh, we can talk about that another, another time, but I, I found out about it just by being introduced to him. And when I met him, he was just like, this is, this is all I do. This is what I know. And I want to share it with you. Cause that's how I love people is by sharing it with them. And that was a big gift for me. It was a, a life-changing gift to understand, oh my gosh, this helps me. And this is beautiful. And this can help other people. Why don't more people know this? Mm -hmm. Like it was that it was like a secret weapon that I wish more people knew. And I was like, more people need to be exposed to this. How, how do we do this? And so, and so now that, that is sort of one of the largest parts of your work life now outside of what you're doing at home. That, I mean, sounds like three full-time jobs you're doing at home before you go out of there. I just wanted to ask you, like, did you have that kind of feeling like that was, that was like the price of admission to being with me or that, or just no, I kind mean, of forced that on you, but like, or, but you <laughs> wanted to share that. Yeah. Like I remembered seeing UFC one as a pay-per-view when I was in high school and seeing Hoyt Gracie just like clean the mat with like, it was like, it was such a fun concept of like, what if a sumo wrestler went against a jujitsu person or you had a boxer against a taekwondo and i was like yeah like what if and jujitsu just ruled the day and now you fast forward 20 years 25 years later and nobody gets anywhere in ufc on the ground mm -hmm. without a jujitsu background correct and and so when i met beatrice and we <laughs> she, told, she told me she told me that she was doing jujitsu and i was like oh that's cool but I didn't, it, it was never, I never felt like, well, I can't date her unless I'm also involved. I only started my jujitsu journey earlier this, this year, really. I mean, a little bit last year, but this year I kind of got serious with it. I think and, we spoke more in terms of like what it would do for your daughter. Yeah, that was it. It was yeah. more about, cause I have three small children, um, two boys and a girl. I and mean, your sons too. But yeah, for my boys as well, because I, you know, I think that it has value in different ways for, for boys and girls, for my boys to also, I mean, the whole idea behind the Bullyproof program and, and, and all of that, I'm super on board with that. But one of the things I noticed a lot about Beatrice when we first started dating was that she walked in the world in a way that most women don't, especially as a small woman. There was this confidence about and a purpose to everywhere that she was going that in most of the women in my life prior to that, you could see this kind of furtive glancing or holding keys in their in their in their hands or you know okay. because of the reality of the fact that there are a lot of shitty people in the world. but, I think your jujitsu background gave you the tools and the confidence to know that you want to avoid a situation, but if a situation arises, you're going to be able to, to take an arm home with you or, or something like that. That's the hope. Yeah. And, and that really fascinated me, you know, as a, as a father of a daughter, especially being in this world, I don't want her to grow up fearing a dark parking lot 
or right. the, the intentions of somebody around the corner. And I felt like jujitsu would be an excellent way and, and to equalize size differential and all the things that jujitsu, the strengths of jujitsu. And I very much felt like you where I, all I want to do is share this. All I want to do is like gather up as many people as I can and teach them this. I, yeah. because when you see, and you've, you've probably, you know, you've been doing this for a while and you, you, when you see the look on someone's face, when they execute something, mm. there's nothing in the world like that. Yeah. It's, if, if they could make that a drug. Yeah. Bottle that. I like first tap. Yeah. <laughs> or, or for us, it's like when you see a woman recognize what was seemingly impossible to escape from, mm-hmm. to have a possibility of escape. Yes. Mm-hmm. That you go, Yes, 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 right there. Stop, stop, stop. Eat more of that. Like, just stay in this moment. Like, sit with me. And Dante, you said something that was really, I think, important to to for me to touch on for a minute because you said, I don't want my daughter to fear going in that parking lot or those things. And here's what I'll say. They will still fear it. They will just have more options. Right. Because as a female, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about self-defense programs is that once you have all these downloaded in your brain, Life won't be scary anymore. Right. And the truth You're invincible. Is, it's not that the world will be scary, won't be scary anymore. It's that I have more options to face the scariness with more courage. And my kids ask me this all the time, mom, but you're not scared. I go, wait, I am scared. I have fear running through every bloodstream in my body. But the only way courage can exist, the very definition of courage is in the face of fear, I still act in a way that allows me to end safely. And that's what I have to teach my kids. Cause they think that like, well, you're just so, so brave and so courageous. That's not, that doesn't exist without fear. Mm-hmm. You literally cannot have bravery and courageousness without it. So fear is the beautiful gift that goes, I know what to act on now. The gift of fear has been like, what allows me to, to, to learn more. I'm scared. Therefore give me more information mm-hmm. and it will mitigate some of my hesitation to go into that parking lot, but it won't necessarily mitigate the fear. The fear is now just the fuel to survive. I think it's so interesting that that was a great point that you bring up because I, I feel that a lot of fear and, and how women act because of it has been socialized out of us in the guise of don't be impolite or don't be silly. Right. And, and I agree with you that that fear is something that you can use I like the way you put it more to get more information. And I know that my years training Brazilian jiu-jitsu has made me so observant of people's behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Energy shifts in, in people. Energy shifts, yeah. body language, tone of voice, distance, manage, all of those things you can, how many times have I said to you, we need to leave. Yep. This doesn't feel good anymore. Something's gone. Something's bad here. We need to go. This is a bad scene. And you can, you can tell. And this is when you are up close and personal with people training in jujitsu three and four times a week, you get very, very good at feeling that shift with people mm-hmm. from, Hey, we're flowing to, I don't like that you're winning, or I don't like this, or if I'm fighting a dude, I don't like that I'm losing to a girl or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> you can feel that. You can feel that. And so I think that's a really interesting point that it doesn't necessarily remove the fear, but you don't feel paralyzed by it anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. And I think Dante could relate in that as a parent as well. 
is that kids, kids do the same thing. Have your, have your kids ever been fighting? And then they start to like, all of a sudden you start to smell an energy shift where they were having fun Mm -hmm. and then fun turn into Mm, somebody mm-hmm. doesn't feel good anymore and yeah. someone's going to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> someone is turning on someone. And the, and the more you stay with kids, I literally teach, taught my kids. I could, I said, when is it escalating? When do you feel the escalation? They're like, we're escalating mom. <laughs> Once you teach them the ability to identify their own escalation, they'll start to see it in others. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. happens when you're in a room, like you said, uh, something shifted here. We need to leave escalation of human energy to, to different levels of good, bad, scary, anger, whatever it is is an identifiable thing if we keep ourselves in tune to it. If we train our children the same way we, we train them to be socialized to, you know, physicality equals worth, we can train them to go, hey, read a room. Right now, that energy over there, they were laughing really hard. Those laughs turned into like nervousness are turning into like aggressiveness. And we can do that with our own kids, with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a gift that I, it's helped me go, hey, do you guys notice that you're escalating? Like, well, well, she took my thing. I'm like, yeah, but you're laughing and she's getting angry and you don't see that you're on different pages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love mom. We're escalating. We're escalating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they know <laughs> we're escalating. I'm like, you're, you're beyond escalation kid, but okay. <laughs> that's, that's such an important skill for children to learn yeah. for self-regulation inst- because this generation of children is so used to, and, and adults are so used to just showing up and intervening and fixing it mm. that they don't, they don't know how to solve conflict or even recognize conflict, like you were saying. And I, I think that's a really important skill. And then you have people that get into an altercation when they're a little bit older, they've never had to deal with any of that themselves. And there's overreactions all over the place. And, and there is no de-escalation skill mm-hmm. or knowledge and things just get out of hand. And you, you see it all the time mm-hmm. with, with teenagers in, in school and at, you know, gathering places and things like that. And you're just like, how did that get to that so quickly? And I think that's part of it is because they don't recognize it as children and they're not taught how to recognize that energy shift. So I think I think that's such a, an important thing for parents and just anybody in general to become observant and talk about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of changes in tone are we looking for? What, what, are, what are some of the signs that somebody is agitated or uncomfortable? And again, like when you are training jujitsu, you learn to, to read other people if you're, if you're smart in that realm. And I think as women in jujitsu, we have to and this is going somewhere, we have to be able to discern who is safe to roll with and who is not. Mm. There are, I've had lots of people who are perfectly lovely people in real life and you get down on a mat with them and it's instant regret where you go, this was a mistake. Yeah. So I think we, as women in jujitsu, we, we've been doing that for a really, really long time like from the beginning, because so much of our community is male, we always have to navigate that. Or I've always had to, I yes. don't know if you've had that experience. And, and maybe they're like, uh, we're not going to mess with Gracie's wife. We're just going <laughs> to, <just gonna, laughs> let's, let's, let's not have the suicide mission. <laughs> I will say I, I have not had it probably as much as you. There is some hesitation or in fairness, my husband have, has handpicked partners for me. He'd be, he'd like hold my shoulder back a little bit. If someone's like coming close, he'd like hold it back. And then he'd be like, uh, Danny, Danny. And I can say it here on with all, with all grace, Danny Trujillo in our, in our particular building was one of the best (laughs) 
partners for me. You're just gonna you're just gonna name drop that. What? <laughs> you know him? <laughs> I mean, not personally, Familiar but I know work. who he is. <laughs> wow. Gio was one of the most gentle and technically solid partners in which he don't continue to go this direction. Go here. Go towards him because he he understood a, I had like, I have multiple knee surgeries. I've had neck issues from dancing. Right. And so he was incredibly welcoming and softening to those things as well as informative of like, Hey, you know, if you go that way, that'll work, but try this instead. It might feel better on your body. He was just really yeah. like, again, smooth into it. So I didn't get as many for better or for worse, bad or scary partners. That's not to say I didn't get any. Okay. Let's be clear. But I did learn quite quickly that I had to draw a line even in the middle of the role I would stop and that sometimes was not it's not something we're taught like you no. know when the, when the teacher says all right partner up and go and you stay with them until he says switch again right and I'll stop and I'll say no I'm good that was intense for me we're all done here oh. yeah we're yeah, done we're or done. that that was a lot I wasn't expecting to to roll in that manner Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so I think part of it for me is being willing to communicate to, to the men that I'm going with or women because let me tell you Men aren't the only ones who, who don't know their bodily intensities, that right? Is, there are some women who, with all good intentions, mm-hmm. are trying to be a good partner. And they're like, I want to show Victoria that I can do this. Or not even me. I just want to show any partner that I'm with that I, I got this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that makes sense. You have felt that, you know, that amount of expression will, will feel good for you to express this way. And I had to stop and say, can we go gentler? I'm having a gentle day. Right. So I don't blame them. I don't tell them what they're doing is wrong. I simply sit in, in acceptance of what is and ask them what I need. I need a gentle rolling day to day. Are you willing to do that with me? And that comes from my studying nonverbal, um, so nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. That's one of the best books, in my opinion, that any relationship can have any like from father to child or parent to child to interpersonal marriages. Nonviolent communication is the neutralization of communication to neither blame you or blame myself or attack in any way, just to say, here's what I need. Can you do that for me? Right. Here's what's happening from a factual perspective. Not that it's your fault, not that it's my fault. Can we shift this to something else? Mm. And that has helped me a lot in any of my rolling partners from that perspective to go, can we shift the energy? Let's try it this way more Mm -hmm. rather than make someone feel, you know, maybe fairly or unfairly defensive based on the reaction that I, I, I give them to a very intense role. Sure. Yes. And especially when you're dealing with an injury. And I think that's part of the culture too, is to talk about that at the beginning to say, yes. this, this is pinchy today. Can we just be careful with that? Yeah. And everyone's injured. If you're in jujitsu, everyone's, everyone's dealing with an injury. <laughs> <That> <laughs> like every true. partner you go with got, has got a tweak somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you're not, you're probably, you're, you're probably dead. I think that's probably yeah. hurts. Well, you be, B's done the same thing when we've, I've gone to classes with, <laughs> with her where she'll do just like, no, you know what? This is not a good group for you to roll with because she can see <laughs> some of these, yeah. these high strung white belts that are just, they're, they're going to go too hard. Right. We, we went to, we went to a different gym headed up by a black belt that I'm very good friends with. And, uh, you know, because of COVID people were pent up a little bit and, uh, there was a little group or, and I, and I remember just kind of whispering as I walked by, don't roll with any of them. 
because you can just see, you can just see. But at the same time, I have to stop being so protective. You're, you're you can hold your own, but yeah. that's sweet. That that kind of leads me to another impetus for me asking you to come and speak with us. There have been some recent allegations against a black belt in Florida. I don't know if they've found him yet, if there's any charges yet, but is concerning the sexual assault of a minor in the club. And you don't need to speak about that specifically, but when Dante and I started talking about it, because I've certainly come across, not very many, but come across one or two people in my years in jiu-jitsu that really frightened me because you, you question every once in a while, what happens when the bad guy's wearing a black belt? Then what? Yeah. So I think upon entering, I think it's, I am probably going to get a lot of just scoffs for even saying this, but I think in general, the belt system does more of a disservice to jujitsu than it does a service. And what it creates is a false sense of authority, a false sense of superiority and a possibly inaccurate delineation between classes of actual beltable people. Me as a blue belt might just vastly differ from this person over here who's also a blue belt. And for us to wear the same belt and go, okay, we're at the same level. How? Like that, that, the want to even quantify or qualify that comes from the state of ego, which I understand, you know, it helps to like go, okay, we're, we're reasonably in the same ballpark. But who is determining this blue belt versus this blue belt? Are they getting a full understanding of both technique, safety, and philosophy? Or are they just saying, well, yeah, crush 15 guys. Here's a promotion. Like there's, you know, I, I have to stand back and go, my personal opinion may differ from the masses and that's okay. That's what we're all afforded to as humans. Mm -hmm. That being said, the belt system for me is, has always been an interesting like idea. And when we skip to the power that we give the black belt, there are no writings, books, prerequisites, technical jargon of any type that says this is what it means to be a black belt as on the masses as a whole. Mm -hmm. Now I, I sit in the, in the bedroom with my husband who is conjuring up the black belt test requirements of what it means for him to give someone a belt. Right. And I still recognize that there is still an avenue in which he can't touch, which is the personal sovereign choice, his integrity, his ability to pull from his own awareness and trauma, and then use all that information that he has as a black belt in the world at large. So he can disseminate the most honorable, like, again, test with all the requirements and still be unable to work into that man's brain or woman and understand how they express black beltness into the world. So that being said, once our community has revered, which began since like the dawn of time of, of jujitsu, we revere black belts in more spaces than the mat. And that is also problematic to me. Mm. You can revere a computer scientist in the computer world, but they might not know anything in the dance world. And they might not know anything in the kitchen when, if you want to go up against a chef. But for some reason, we look at a black belt and they go, oh, he's a black belt. So he must be. And we like drip this, yeah. you know, authoritarian, so superiority idea. This, he must have this mental control, discipline, and philosophy in all aspects of his life or not, or he is literally just a human crushing machine on the right. mat and was given a black colored piece of clothing to represent such a stake. Yeah. And I'm not saying that every black belt out there isn't those things. I'm just saying, let's be careful. The pedestals we put anybody on, including, you know, 
scientists right now, everyone's like, well, I'm a scientist. Well, I'm a scientist. There's 50 scientists on all sides of a lot of cases of very important topics right now. And because they're scientists, we're going to give them pedestals. We have to be careful the pedestals in which we put people. That being said, now we're talking about access to minors. Now, I, I will quickly reveal that I have a history of my own. I don't want to... I, sexual inappropriate nature in which someone, you know, forced themselves upon me in different ways at different points in my life. So I have, again, double handfuls. And I am very hip to grooming, manipulation, coercion, opportunistic tactics that understand where young girls who are eager to be valued, seen, loved, acknowledged, are picked out and, and kind of pruned to be easy targets. And this is the most sadistic nature of it all is that some of these, and I don't even want to say it's black belts because it's blue belts, it's purple belts, (laughs) it's brown belt. Like this is not belt related, to be honest. This is, this is a male, predominantly male ability to look at a young female, make her a target and groom her into reasonable situations that turn unreasonable, unsafe, and absolutely disgusting. And it's hard because as a parent, I'm so over controlling. I'm like, you don't, you can't go there. There's not enough like parent to child ratios of women to men to like, I I can't, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not there. I I won't let you take them. And he has compassion, but can never fully understand until you've walked in a woman's feet, how every day of my life, I look at men looking at me as an object, something to be conquered, something to be seduced. And when I think of these black belts, all I can say is if the, if the black belt comes with more power and more force in classrooms and less humbleness and willingness to share in learning and more into overpowering and controlling the room, that's my first red flag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. Again, that's just a first red flag. Mm-hmm. I hope that that helped. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to go further in this topic. I'm not sure what you wanted to address particularly. And for me, I just give an overview of abuse of power and the way that it's manipulated into what should be very safe and like comforting situations and educational situations. And to me, it's both tragic and unfortunate and an indicator of the person, not the sport, not the, not the practice. I don't think jujitsu by and large is an insidious martial art. Obviously I do it. I practice it and I share it in ways. I do think that people are sick. I think that I've been exposed to more about, you know, psychopathy and, and narcissism and, and abuse of power and ways that people compensate for their own confidence, traumas, and other things that when you look at some of the people who've journeyed to black belt, I always went, what are the, what are the most common factors amongst all black belts? And I start to look at, I go, okay, they all have a huge attention to detail. They all can commit to something undying. Like just, I, I will I stop at nothing for this. And that energy alone, if you were to take that out of like towards a really good goal and put it towards a woman, it's actually scary. Yeah, It's actually deadbeat frightening. Mm-hmm. And they're not, again, always correlated. But if your journey to, to black belthood was very much like, yeah, I eventually got there. I stayed committed and it was great. Then, then it's, that's one thing. But if it's like, yeah, I will die at nothing to become a black belt. <laughs> then you got to raise an eyebrow and go, okay. Do you need some support here? You feel me? The only weird vibe. Yeah. 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 I appreciate all of that. That was what I think we were trying to get to is that belt worship is kind of a fucked up thing. Correct. 
And there's no quick answer to anything, but I think that I know in, in my environment, in the club that I'm at and the clubs that I go to, as, as a purple belt, I make sure that women coming in know you don't need to roll with anyone that makes you uncomfortable. You Correct. don't need to, to do, because I think when we, we watched the official statement that even Henner put out about a lot of people that are new to the sport can't discern between discomfort and abuse and being taken advantage of. Yeah. And, and that, that needs to be something that is communicated to new people coming in to saying, it's okay to feel like this, but this is not okay. And sometimes that's a, a very thin line. Mm-hmm. Or a blended one to be our both. Blended one. It can actually be, because think about it. Abuse is discomfort. Right. So if you're saying, come in here and get in this uncomfortable position while I mount you to like show you a reasonable move, mm-hmm. I'm going to sh- show you what a trap and roll is and you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, oh, I'm in all sorts of discomfort. And then all of a sudden my intentions and or actions shift to the unsafe. You're still feeling discomfort. I'm just telling you that's what you're supposed to feel when I mount on you. Right and now I'm doing something inappropriate and the line is actually blended. Mm-hmm. You are still feeling the same discomfort, only it's even more wrong and no one's here to kind of go, hey, that's not okay. Yeah. And I feel like that's part of my role in the community mm-hmm. is to help other women and, you know, young, young men that are coming in too, if that like, cause I'm sure that happens as well, that this is not okay. And that's not okay. And you shouldn't yep. be feeling like you're getting, you're just getting smashed by people all the time. You're not going to learn that way. Correct. You know, but I find particularly women will come in and quit because they, mm. whatever is happening to them is not what's supposed to happen. And they just, they feel very uncomfortable. And so I think you made some really important points about that. And, and that's why, you know, it's, it's so wonderful to have women like you in this, mm-hmm. in this art and sport that, that look at that value philosophy and integrity as much as the physicality. Thank because you. sometimes I think that gets overlooked. And so that's really important that you do that. I definitely think it does. Thank you. I think it's been even, you know, mine and Eve's work to even help our own husbands as well as front male friends identify that the average female is used to being kind of preyed upon. And this is not to excuse the men that do it, but, but sometimes men don't even realize their actions are even perceived as feeling preyed upon. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, this is what men do. This is, don't you guys like this? Like if there's almost this confusion tactic of like, actually, no, like that's not, that doesn't feel good. And that isn't socially like appropriate for us to have, but because of either the way they were raised or the group of guys that they hang out with or the culture at their school that is so normalized that women, like you said, leave pretty quickly. They're like, well, she was in, she was out. That was fast. Because one particular guy in the room may think he's acting completely normal. And we're like, no, you, you can't say those, you can't say those things to women. Like, <laughs> stop talking. And again, I it's mean, the operating system, it's windows 92. Exactly. Like it's what I'm saying. So the base foundation in which they were taught to engage with it, the opposite gender is confusing. It's like, don't, don't women like it when I compliment their bodies? Like not when you're on top of them. <laughs> stop. <laughs> It, and it's hard. It's hard to like break through to some people who 
it's situational every time. I'm like, okay, these two things we've cleared with this guy. He won't do those things in those situations again, but a new situation arises and the behavior comes again. I'm like, okay, he also can't do that. Yeah. And that's a thing. And that's why mitigating it at, at, for little boys at yeah. the GMH yeah. is so vital. They mm-hmm. say raising girls is so hard. No, it's not. Raising boys is hard, harder because you have to teach them to be comfortable with their masculinity and not use it against a woman yeah, or in a yeah. place of power to regain what you feel like you may lost moment to moment or right. lose moment to moment. Yes, it's, ra- it's hard to raise girls. I have to explain to them that they will be preyed upon on a daily basis by inappropriate age men to like appropriate age men, that, that the, the weight of the world will be on their shoulders and they will have to carry the social and emotional weight of the humans around them because we don't put that pressure on men to socialize and maintain relationships. I have to explain to them that they will be asked without being told to maintain an entire household, despite you feeling like it should be a partnership with your person who should also be able to wash dishes and clean their own laundry. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very difficult dichotomy of, of the gender roles that we raise and Sorry, I digress. I went. No, that's okay. It sounds it sounds like it sounds like another episode. <laughs> Just like another whole episode. I can go off, guys. <laughs> Victoria, where can people find you? Oh, I'm on Instagram at Vic Crazy, V-I-C-G-R-A-C-I-E. Okay. Perfect. I'll throw a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Hey. Thank you so much for taking taking the time out of your incredibly <laughs> crazy busy schedule to talk to us. It's insane. Pleasure. It was, it was, it was really lovely to talk to you. And, you know, it's always good to talk to a fellow jujitsu sister. And as soon as they let us over the border, man, we're heading. Get we're down heading here down. already. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do some road shows. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. I know having these discussions can make a lot of people uncomfortable to talk about things that we always are like kind of seeing, but don't know how to talk about. And that is ha- some of the hardest parts is having these conversations that bring up yucky feelings for us or that may call us and our behaviors out is things people avoid. And if we can do it with grace, compassion, and love and go, Hey, listen, we get it. You're in that position, but can you see it from our side? Maybe the conversation will lead to change. Mm -hmm. That's the plan. And that's what, yeah, that's our hope with this. So thank you so much. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Well, that was a good one. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. She's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I knew about her work mm-hmm. from you and, yes. and from the Women in Power stuff. Yes. But getting to know, you know, one of the women behind it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I'm going to put that video in. Uh, yes. That, that, I guess it's like a, like, a, like a sizzle reel or teaser trailer or advertisement type thing for the Women in Power. I don't know, what would you call that, that video that you showed me? A promo. Like a promo. Okay. Yeah. 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 It'll be in the show notes so you guys can see. Yeah, um, as well as links to her books mm-hmm. and to her website as well. She, yeah. I don't know if she's doing coaching right now. Okay. She's kind of busy. But yeah, I'm so glad we got a chance to talk to her. Yeah, me and too. Uh, I think there were some really interesting and important issues that, that came out of that. And I'm glad that we got a chance to get her perspective from where she is in that community. Yeah. So you'll be able to find her and y'all know where to find us on Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. and on our website, cheatingonfear.com. And thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with Sex in the City Season 5. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dante's so excited. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.